on Memorial Day weekend, you get extra credit. There's about six or seven Sundays out of the year that you'll get extra credit in heaven just for being at church. This is one of those Sundays, okay? You're going to be in heaven one day, uh, a lot of you, and an angel's going to come up and say, here's, here's something special. You're going to say, what's this for? That angel's going to say, Memorial Day weekend. When everyone else was at the beach, when you had vacation envy, you came to church, okay? Wasn't last Sunday a good day if you were here? Wasn't it, wasn't it a great day? The panel, if you know what I'm talking about, and you guys had relief from RG at least for one Sunday, and we had a wonderful group of panelists um, here on the platform, Jonathan and Jenny Grantham, Austin and Lydia Moore, Rob and Catherine Puckett, uh, Josh and Amelia Medcalf, Brad Dorman, and John Maxwell. And they just did a great job. Didn't you appreciate that if you were here, just them sharing their story? And John Maxwell, I mean, I just love that guy. He's right here. John, I want to walk down and just give you a big hug and a kiss right now and just tell you uh, how much you mean to me and to this church and just your heartfelt sincerity. And you blessed us last Sunday. They all did. Austin and Lydia Moore, if you remember, if you can picture the platform, they sat next to Jonathan and Jenny, the second couple here. And I, I just learned that they're in Paris today, this week, in Paris. They went from the platform to Paris. How about that, huh? And most of my family is at the beach. Uh, my oldest and middle child went with different friends. I didn't get a beach invite. They did. They went with friends. Seaside is the area. They're both like within three miles of each other. And I don't know how your family dynamics are if you're in, a, in kind of a, a family with multiple children. But my 15-year-old and my 12-year-old boy and girl, it's going to be very interesting to see if they do bump into each other at the beach, like on the beach or at a restaurant, if he's going to speak to her. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is he going to act like he knows her because she's with her friends and he's with his friends? And it could be a very interesting dynamic, but know for sure dad is going to check on that. We're going to check on that. But just a a great Sunday dinner on the grounds. We went old school, and it was just a blessing to be a part of that and to hear people who are uh, being impacted. I posted on Twitter, a young couple, Hayes and Allie, they met at Fondren Church. They just got engaged yesterday. How cool is that? That's the set. You can clap if you want to. The wedding will be here December the 6th. Uh, You're not invited necessarily. You need to check your mail in the upcoming months. I think I'm invited. I don't know if you are. Uh, another couple uh, got engaged, uh, Neil and Rachel. We're going to post that uh, probably after church today. But love is in the air. Uh, Cupid, draw back your bow and let that arrow go. Uh, turn to John chapter 14. I, I really meant to say that all that was just filler stuff while you were supposed to be turning to the scripture. But I forgot to say that. John chapter 14, we're going to look at one verse today. Really, we're going to focus on this and look at a few other uh, parallel passages that bring up, I think, a great theme from scripture that I, I pray that some of you uh, experience today that you, that you feel that maybe you, you long for it, for this to be a reality in your life, a part of your experience, and that maybe that you can even look back on and say, I, I know what Robert's talking about. I, I know what the scripture's saying. It, it, this, this means something. It means something to me. John chapter 14 in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy, Sp- Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to you. He will teach you all things, and He will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, He will teach you all things, and He will bring all things to your remembrance, all things that I I said to you. Now circle, if you will, that word remembrance. Remembrance. That's our word for today. 
Circle that. Now, the mind is a funny thing, isn't it? Some say the mind is a a terrible thing. It is a terrible thing. That can be used in a negative sense. That can be used in in an awesome, like an awestruck sense. But the mind is interesting. Are you a a forgetful person or or do you remember? We all have our, our own stories in that, don't we? It's amazing what we can't remember. I, I can't remember my purse, my pocketbook, my password. I can't remember where I put the keys, the car, the kids, my mind. Uh, we all forget things, don't we? But you know, the mind being a, a blessed thing, a terrible thing, a multi-pronged thing, it, it's, it's amazing uh, what we remember. In fact, I'm going to repeat some things common in our culture. When I pause and, and lift my hands, if you would, just fill in that word or words, okay? Every kiss begins with Capital One, what's in your Subway? Eat. Sprite, obey your Gatorade. Is it in you? Gillette, the best a man. Michelin, so much is riding on Allstate. You're in State Farm, like a good neighbor. CNN, the most trusted name in news. That's hard for some of you to say. ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. Turn in your man card if you don't get that one. Fox News, some of you appreciate this more. Fair and Office Depot, we're working hard. Staples, that was easy. T. Rowe Price. Invest with confidence. Yeah, wasn't a lot of confidence in the room, not even for me on that matter. (laughs) Lending tree, when banks compete, you win. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. You said that with a lot of joy, didn't you? (laughs) Avis. Avis is the place with the Helpful hardware man. Okay, we're going back in time a little bit. There is, a, there is an Avis very close, okay? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. The best part of waking up is, give me a break, give me a break, break me off a piece of that. Oh, my baloney has a first name, it's... My baloney has a second name. It's good. Now, those first ones, you see what I did? Those first ones, uh, they're part of our vernacular, our language. You see those, you see the capital ones, and uh, those commercials are, are prevalent right now. But the little jingle things that we did, that you did surprisingly well on, uh, we went back in time a little, right? We, we went back in time. How about this? In... West Philadelphia, where I was born and raised. On the playground is where I spent most of my days. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Now, very few remember the pastor's sermon from a couple of weeks ago. But we can readily recall 1990s sitcoms, right? You've circled this word, remembrance. And I love this promise that Jesus tells his disciples, if you were to keep reading, Jesus gives this in the context of potentially, listen, 
to a potentially troubled hearts. They're living in the world. He's given them some rock-solid promises, not the kind that you put on a sweet, syrupy card. But he said that the world's going to hate you, that you're going to have to live in a very different way. And Jesus says that I'm going to leave you my peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And he's saying that there's somebody that's going to come alongside you. Someone that's going to, there's going to be there. And you're going to know a different reality. My spirit, a helper, a comforter, an advocate, a counselor. Do any of you go to counseling? Probably don't want to raise your hand, right? Shouldn't be a shame. Shouldn't be a stigma associated with it. I was talking to a good pastor friend of mine out of state. And he said, man, I go, Robert, once a month to a counselor. And I sit down with my guy and I just talk and I talk. He said, I kind of accused him in one of our more recent sessions of, you know, why am I paying you? Because I do all the talking. And you just ask some questions and then I'm a light bulb. Something illuminates within me. He's like, you should be paying me for all the great things I'm saying out loud, right? But you know what a good counselor does is get a person to talk and to dig deep. And before you know it, they're reminded, they're reminding themselves of maybe some things that they've forgotten, some things that they haven't laid a hold of. And here in John 14, 26, Jesus is saying a new era will begin. And yeah, you're going to be sad. This whole, this whole death, burial, missing me, it's going to be hard. It's going to be different. There's going to be a resurrection. Then there's going to be this story of the unfolding church. And you guys are going to get it as it unfolds, but not so fast. Stubborn fellas. You see, we, I'm convinced, there's two big traps for the one who wants to follow Christ. The first we hear about a lot, it's temptation. It's temptation. I've got a men's group on Friday morning, a good group of men, young and old. And we meet at 6.30 on Friday mornings, and now we are... We've opened up a new chapter, a new book. We're walking through the book of James. And in James, it talks about how God tests us, but he doesn't tempt us. When a man is tempted, let no man say, I'm being tempted of God. But a man is tempted, James 1, 13 and following. A man is tempted when he is enticed and carried away. He's consumed by his own lust. And when lust gives birth, it gives birth to sin. And when sin accomplishes its mission, it yields to death. Temptation. Genesis 4, 7 describes it this way. You ever heard this? It's the story of Cain and Cain was told that sin is outside his door crouching. Crouching like a hungry animal. What is sin that's crouching at his door? What does sin desire for him? It it wants him. It wants to get him. It wants to take him. And Cain is given the command to master it. Have you found it hard to master sin? Temptation is one of our great enemies, the enemy, you know, we love First Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. But First Peter 5, 8, the very next verse, we have an enemy, the devil, he's our adversary, and he roars around, he goes to and fro like a, like a hungry lion seeking whom he may devour. Temptation is one of the tools of the enemy, but so is accusation. And you see as one prolific writer put it a few years ago that stuck with me. The, 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 the accuser 
the accusations that come our way. We're, we're accused and we are tempted to forget the things that God wants us to remember and to be reminded of the things that God wants us to forget. Now, when it comes to the accusing voice, I want to share with you what I call three P's of negativity. If you're a note taker, boy, this is your time. The first is personal. The first P is personal. The second P is permanent. The third P is pervasive. To illustrate, let me just share a hypothetical story of someone either I know or read about. There's a man at home, and let's say he's a pastor, and he's working from home and preparing a sermon, and he looks out the window and he sees a child, let's say a boy, playing with a borrowed game of cornhole. And this kid, unbeknownst to the father and even the mother, starts jumping on the cornhole, on the board. And the mother walks over and reprimands him with an appropriately mild severity as she folds up the board, the broken board that no longer works. And the father notices that the boy's upset by it all. He's kind of taking it hard. The father says, I don't need to go out and reprimand anymore. This, this, the little lad's taking it kind of bad. And he walks away sobbing. And he says, what's wrong with me? I always mess up everything. Quote, what's wrong with me? I always mess up everything. This child, in two sentences, gives us the three P's of negativity. Personal, what's wrong with me? Not the board, not what happened in this moment, but what's, what's wrong with me? There is something in me that is wrong, very wrong. It's permanent. I always... The, the child didn't say 70% of the time, the things that I play with, borrow things, tend to not work after I use them. And so therefore, I will not see everything as a dance, dance floor in disguise. What's wrong with me? I always mess up what? Everything. It's personal. It's permanent. And it's pervasive. And that's what the accuser wants to do to you. Now, you guys know, I've said it before, I don't have a strong worth ethic. I have a strong play ethic. I like to just have fun. I like to be childlike. I have a lot of admiration for people who just enjoy life. Don't you? I think because it just seems to be so rare. Not people, there are none. Not people who have no problems or nothing to be tempted to worry about. But just people that can cast their cares on God, that elevate Him in their thinking and that can just extract joy from life. Jesus said in Matthew 8, 1, in the midst of a religious crowd, so His disciples could hear, so that later you and I could learn that if someone is to come into the kingdom of God, they must be like what? A little child, playful, trusting, humble. A child, when a child fails... He doesn't see failure as final. He sees it as fertilizer, as an opportunity to learn, to grow. There's future flourishing. 
But with this, this childlike faith, we've got to realize what Paul said. When I became a man in Corinthians, he said, when I became a man, I put away what? I put away childish things. In other words, you and I are called to be childlike, but not to be childish. And it wouldn't be cool if you and I grew up and we could move away from childish things. And when we're playing on a borrowed cornhole machine and we break something, wouldn't it be cool if we had grown up and we walk away and we don't say things like that? Some of you, it's getting real personal now. Because it's just easy to have a lack of maturity in our lives and we're no different from that kid that I talked about. What's wrong with me? Personal. I mess everything up. Permanent, pervasive. Everything. Topher and Jennifer led us in singing about the goodness of the gospel, God's love for us, and how chains fall off, but we're often imprisoned by the accusations that come our way. I am angry. I am frustrated. I'm a stuffer. I'm a screamer. I'm just like my mom. I'm a worrier. I'm, I'm insecure. And we, like that child, we don't grow up. We don't realize that there's a God that wants us to forget some things and to remember some others. It's why I love this story of Peter. Look at this verse in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verses 60 to 62. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. How many of you have ever said that when you're in trouble, right? Man, I I don't know what you're talking about. Some of us, we say that every time, right? I'm good at that. That's a very common line. Man, I I don't know what you're talking about. I I pull back, right? That gives me a little time. I, I don't know what you're talking about. But my mind's starting to think, wait, what, what are you talking about? Because I think I'm about to find out. And it's not going to bode well for me. But right off, hey man, what are you talking about? Just as he was speaking, Peter, that is, the rooster crowed. A lot of you know this. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Now, stop. This says a lot about your view of God. What was that look? Because some of you see God as an angry tyrant, as a distant figure that can never be pleased where your efforts are never enough. But he turned and he looked straight at Peter, straight at him, laser beam focus. I had lunch recently with the guy never looked at me. I don't think he ever hit me. His eyes never hit mine. I tried. The Lord looked straight at him. Then Peter, say that word because that's our word of the day. He what? He remembered, that was weak. Peter, what? That was better. He remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows. Today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now, Peter's a pretty familiar story to a lot of us. Uh, About a year and a half ago when we were at Dueling, we did a a six-week sermon series from Second Peter, we called it from coward to coach. Any of you remember that? Nobody. Okay, great. Uh, but Peter was a guy who was—he was bold and he was brazen. He had that bravado. And what did Peter say? Peter said, "I will not deny you." They might, 
but not me. I will never deny you. And Peter hears cock-a-doodle-doo, cock-a-doodle-doo, cock-a-doodle-doo. And Peter feels a sense of remorse. He wept bitterly of contrition, of even humiliation. And I imagine a flood of memories. It says Peter remembered, but what all did he remember? I imagine Peter remembered the day that he got the call and he left all. I'm sure Peter remembered the day that he got out of the boat. You ever read the book, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Got to Get Out of the Boat? And the idea there is that not many of us get out of the boat. We can knock Peter all we want, but you know what? The other guys didn't get out of the boat. There aren't many risk takers, are there? Nobody wants to go first. Change is good. You go first, right? And Peter was one of those guys to go first. If you want to walk on the water, you've got to get out of the boat. I imagine Peter remembered getting out of the boat. I imagine Peter remembered getting an invitation to the Mount of Transfiguration with, with himself, with James and John and Jesus, and this glorious vision, this invitation to really even be a part of the inner circle. I imagine he remembers that. I imagine Peter remembered the day when Jesus said, recorded for us in Matthew 16, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church, say it with me, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I imagine Peter, in this moment, felt like the gates of hell had prevailed against him anyway. Against him. If you've been to that Galilean countryside as I have a lot of years ago, it's hard to ignore or avoid a rooster's crow. It happens a lot in this day, just like it did then. Now, Peter, how do you move on? If the cock-a-doodle-doo reminds you of your epic failure, how do you move on? Now, isn't failure hard? Just nod your head so you don't go to sleep. We've got a few more minutes. Nod your head if failure is hard. Isn't it, isn't it hard? Have you ever taken a failure, a personal failure, pretty hard? Tover's like, no, man, never failed. It's a public failure. It's really, public failures are very miserable, aren't they? Now, let me tell you a little bit about your pastor for a moment. This is going to sound vain, but I've got a little bit of vanity in me. Um, I, you know, since we started Fonder Church, I've put on a, a few pounds. I've not run any more marathons, and I've gained a f- few pounds. And just this morning, I, I hopped on the scale, and I've lost a couple of pounds. And I got in that range that I want to be at so I can start getting, you know, so I can strike at my goal. Well, I've got my goal is... 12 to 15 pounds that I want to lose this summer. Now, I'm going to Cambodia. That might help me. That, that diet over there may, may help me a lot. But that's my goal. I want, to, I want to eat less and run more and get back into shape. Now, I'm not the best-looking pastor. I know that. But I'd look pretty good at 155, wouldn't I? Imagine if I was good-looking. I mean, I've got the character, the, the personality. I'd be the total package, and you would hate me if I was good-looking, Right? Now, for a second, indulge me for a moment. What have I just done? Besides be vain. Besides focus on the outward appearance. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Now, with me for a second. What have I just done? I've gone public, hadn't I? I just said something pretty bold. So what do I need to do? If you see me in July and I'm kind of porked up, not going to be good, Right? You ever boasted about something, went public with your goal, told somebody, I will never, 
and then you fail. And Peter, about 30 years as I've studied it, about 30 years after this epic failure in that Galilean courtyard, he went on in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 15, to say these words, to write these words to the church at Jerusalem. Therefore, my brothers, now as you read this thing, how could Peter say that because of his failure? Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always, what? Remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it is right to what? Refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. What's our word today? Don't forget. And what I love, if, if Vicky, if we could go back to the first part of that passage. Last Sunday was really special for us to see a bunch of you come forward and to take a, an act as a, as a ceremony. We could have done it a different way, but those of you who attended Prologue who are ready to join our church or those of you who wanted information on our covenant membership to just to come here at the altar and to pick it up. And there's plenty of opportunity for you to do that in the weeks ahead. But if you have uh, called us, we're going to give you an opportunity to turn in your covenant form, if this is your church, and for you to go to Prologue and to say, if you haven't been, to say, hey, I want to find out more about Fondren Church, our vision, our values, our mission, our governance, to look at our budget, to talk about our future and how our church is led, and uh, to hear about this very building and what we believe God's plans for us are. But then we're asking you, because we think every member of a church ought to have a relationship with Christ. We're asking you, every one of you, to write out your story. It could be just a couple of paragraphs. It doesn't have to be long. Now, a couple of you already are looking for loopholes. Now, who's looking for a loophole? Do you know who is? Pastor's wife, elder guys, right? These are, oh, these are people I, we know and love. But look, we're writing out our story. And here's why I'm saying this, because I believe it's good for all of you to write out your story. It's not a hoop to jump through. It's just you need to be reminded what is your story. And as I was able to meet with somebody this week and find out, well, you know, there's really not a spiritual story. There's really not a story of receiving Christ, knowing him, being baptized. You and I need to know our story. And we need to be reminded of our story. Sometimes we come to church, sometimes we crack the book, sometimes we join a small group to learn new truths. Don't you love to dig and find and go deeper and learn new things? But I'm telling you, there's a, there's a really important component of growing in your faith in Jesus when you are reminded of the things that you already know. Peter said this after his epic failure. Now, what's funny as we begin to close, what's funny is the same spirit, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent to us, who will teach us all things and bring to our remembrance everything that he said to us. That same Holy Spirit, the reminder 
comforter, counselor, advocate, Holy Spirit, is also the same Spirit who teaches us to forget. Isaiah chapter 43. Church, let's say this out loud. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. There are things that you need to be reminded of. There are things that you need to forget. Don't you love it when someone remembers something about you? I love Pastor Ty, the pastor of Woodland Hills. Just a moment ago before the service started, he saw me in the hallway up on the second floor. I was kind of hiding. He found me and he said, Robert, how's your father-in-law? What a great question. I don't know if a lot of you know, but Susan's dad, not doing too good. Some of you are praying for him and we appreciate that. I left for Chupelo last week to marry a young couple in our church, Jack and Erica. And I think Susan was planning on going with me. She had been in Atlanta the earlier part of the week. And uh, I just extended grace. I hit the road. I sent her a text said, Susan, I love your father. And I love you. And if you need me to, I'll put you on a plane to head west this week. And she's going Wednesday through Friday to be with her dad. Her other sisters are going to be there. And they're going to be with their father who's hospitalized, heart, kidneys. We don't know the future. I think... I think he's going to be fine. I think there's going to be a recovery. But I love when someone remembers something about me, when someone cares. We ought to be comforters to each other. I made a mistake, or let's just say I oversaw a mistake a few weeks ago. And, you know, when you're the lead pastor, it kind of comes back to you. And a couple of folks were wanting to talk about it and remind me of it. And I was so proud of myself. I just said, you know what? I've dealt with it. Not going to talk about it. We're going to move on. And have you noticed some people love, maybe they don't mean ill, but some people love to rehash and rehearse and talk about things that God's called you to go ahead and move on from. And I love it when people are in my life and they remind me there are some things clearly that I should forget. And there are some things that I should remember. I remember when I got my first job that had benefits. Now, do you remember, was it Psalm 103? That chapter, Will and Molly uh, helped with worship a couple of weeks ago. And they came up and read that as we sang, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And, And that passage talks about forget not all of his benefits. And I remember the first job. I got where I had benefits. I'd gone from self-employment just to a salary to like, man, I got a salary and I got benefits. I was like, y'all, listen, check this out, man. I got benefits. Like these guys are paying me this kind of money, crazy mad money. And and then they're they're giving me benefits, health insurance and stuff. I got that. And to the guys I told you, you know what they said? That's the way it works, man. That's that's part of the package. No chest bump, no, no dog pound, nothing. No love. You see, they, they had already done what I was about to do. Just move past the benefits, right? Forget the benefits. Take them for granted. 
When entitlement is high, gratitude is low. When gratitude is high, entitlement is low. Let's close with Luke. One of the great passages is we're going to remember our Lord today. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Would you say it with me? Do this in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me? Before I lead us, Topher and Jennifer are going to come to to play over us, to sing, for us to join with them. And some of our uh, leaders, some of our folks who didn't go to the beach today are going to lead us. They're going to be at a few stations and give us direction. Every pew will be given direction about where to go. And in this, um, at this time, as Jesus taught, as the apostles, the early church, and all through the centuries, as the church of Christ has practiced, we do this in remembrance of Him. The elements are very simple. Bread that represents His body, and juice that represents His blood shed for us. And as you approach... Uh, the table, the elements. Uh, One of our leaders will say, this is Christ's body broken for you and you're called to remember. You say amen and take the corner of that bread and you'll dip it into the juice. You you won't dip your finger in the juice. You'll dip the bread in. And just say amen. Say thank you, Lord. Uh, And they'll say, this is Christ's blood shed for you. And you say amen. Thank, Thank Jesus. And remember Remember him. God, we thank you for this time of worship that as a church family, Lord, you are blessing us and Lord, you are calling us to grow deeper. And Lord, I thank you that we are today preaching the good news to ourselves. That we haven't smugly thought about our world or even in a righteous way necessarily thought about the sin around us, but Lord, we think for a moment that you have forgiven us. Far be it from us to look at a speck in another's eye when there's a plank in our own, but Lord, you have called us not to condemnation, but you've called us to conviction, to acknowledge that sin. And you change us, as the scripture says, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O Lord, that you don't take our mistakes and failures and rub our noses in it, but Lord, you remind us of the righteousness that's in Christ. And I, for one, am so very grateful. Receive our worship as we walk out what the scripture says, this do in remembrance. In Jesus we pray.